Okay, let me answer these questions. Can you hear me back there? Can you hear me? Okay. First question, please share your most valuable experience on your recent trip. Okay, yeah. I've been away for a month, approximately a month, close to a month. And uh, we have a group of about, approximately about 40 people traveling from Hong Kong to Thailand. And we went over there every year. It's been three years in a row that we've been over there. And the purpose of our trip is to save buffaloes who are about to be slaughtered. So we buy these buffaloes from slaughterhouses and put them on a farm. And we set up a retirement community for these old buffaloes. And we've been doing that for three years. And this year we saved 21 buffaloes. Previous two years we saved 33 buffaloes. So we saved a total of 54 buffaloes. Now these buffaloes are from a milk farm because usually they have dairy cows in Canada, you know, in many parts of the world they have dairy farms. But the Thai believe that buffaloes produce milk with more protein. So buffalo milk is quite expensive. So that's the reason why there are a few buffalo farms in Thailand. Now, it's, if I tell you our story of saving buffaloes, it's, it, it requires a lot of time because when we first went to Thailand to, um, to research on such a project, we planned to save dairy cows, not, not buffaloes. But then we found that to be impossible because we don't know um, the farmers. Saving buffaloes is not the same as saving fish. Now, if you buy fish from a fish market, fresh fish, live fish, and then put them back to sea, they swim away in the ocean and they survive. They may or may not survive. Probably they will survive on their own. But if you save a buffalo, you use money to buy the buffalo from a slaughterhouse, where do you put them? At your backyard? I mean, <laughs> you have to, they, you, you save them, but they're so big that you have to find a place for them. You can't just put them in your backyard. Uh, so we found a farm, we talked to the farmer, and the farmers promised to allow a few acres to set up a retirement community for these old buffaloes that are about to be slaughtered. And uh, I talked to them, I convinced the farmer. I said, usually a buffalo, the life of a buffalo lasts for about 15 years at the most. And at the 13th or the 14th year, they can't produce any more milk. They produce very little milk. And I talked to the, the farmer, I said, these buffaloes, produce milk for you every day since they arrived for many, many years. And you've been making money to sell the milk, their milk. And then when they get old, they can't milk, you can't milk them anymore and you're gonna kill them. I don't think it's fair, I said. It's not fair just to, it's not fair to kill them because they've been working for you and giving you all the money. And I tried to, but, he, but she said that, well, it's our practice. Well. We don't use these buffaloes anymore, they don't produce any milk, and they don't have any value anymore, so we kill them. 
we slaughtered them. We, we sold them to uh, slaughterhouses and we eat the meat. And I said, do you know how, when you sell these buffaloes to slaughterhouses, do you know how they kill them? Well, I don't care. I mean, I just sell them. I never watch how they were killed. They were slaughtered brutally <laughs> in a lot of cases. Why don't you Google? Uh, there are some people, especially people who, who, um, who love animals, they stealthily take videos of how cows and chickens and turkeys and all these animals were, were killed. They were killed brutally. Um, so I said, so I convinced Actor. To make the whole story short, I convinced him. And um, she sold a retired old buffalo for 40,000 bucks. Uh, Thai money, we call B-A-H-T box for 40,000 bucks. And that's equivalent to about $1,500 approximately, Canadian. And I said, can you sell it to, uh, to us for 30,000 bucks? He said, after considering and after arguing and after convincing, she was willing to do so and willing to set up a farm. So, so we, set up, we set up a retirement community for old buffaloes, finally, three years ago, next to the farm. And that farm now is the only farm in Thai that does not kill its own buffaloes. And it's an organ organic farm. And it's um, a long story. The owner of the, of the farm was so weak and so unhealthy and uh, didn't make much money. But since he started to save these animals on our instructions, on our help, on our efforts, she was recovering. Her health was recovering and she, she, she was a different person than before. We have some members in here who went over there. I, I guess there's two, two right? Uh, so they know, they know. We have 30, 40, 40 people witness all this. I have so much to tell you, but I don't know how much time we've got left. So much to tell you about, about what our trip in, in Thailand. But anyway, to keep the story short again, um, this year we saved 21 buffaloes and uh, we put them in the farm, allow them to roam the pastures. And every half year, we still have to pay for the hay, for the food. So uh, it's not just paying them 30,000 bucks, we still have to pay them food until they die. So we, I, I wrote up a contract with them. They have to feed the buffaloes, these old retired buffaloes, until they naturally die. And when they die, they have to take pictures. When they take the grave for them, they have to take pictures and every year. And every cow will have pictures. There's a name for it. There's an ID number for it. On, on, the, lead, on, the, on the year, the buffalo has, has an ID number and a name, uh, uh, you know, with a tag with a name in front of the, of the buffalo. I've got all kinds of videos. You can see those videos later. We make all kinds of, of photographs. And uh, when they die, every year we audit in addition to releasing more, saving more buffaloes, we also audit on the old ones that we save. So it's, it's a program that is so, so meaningful, so safe that nobody cheat on it. Because if you pay to a temple to save buffaloes, you just save the buffaloes, okay, I pay a thousand dollars to save a buffalo for me. You don't even know where the buffaloes 
goes. You know, so this in this case, we actually see them. We make sure that the money is well spent. The money goes to where it actually should be spent. So that's how we save these old buffaloes. And we've been we have been releasing sea fish, turtles, and sharks, and you know all kinds of sea um, animals. But now we we save buffaloes. And um, the work that we have done compared to the number of domestic animals that were slaughtered, what we have done is very, very minimal. But that's a gesture of human compassion to animals, a gesture of kindness, a gesture of generosity. Uh, $1,500 you spend on a trip, you can easily spend it. But, but can you spend $1,500 to save a poor retired buffalo who is going to be slaughtered? You know, it's out of compassion that we all do all these things. So when we practice Buddhism, it's not just talk about it. We have to actually walk, what's that word? Walk the walk, the walk, the walk? Huh? Yeah, you have to actually do it, not just talking about it. So our trip is going over to save buffaloes every year, and also we have we have uh, an, a retired couple by the name um, Mrs. Uh, Chai, and she set the program as for us three years ago, and gen generously she also provided for free accommodation and food for the seven days we spent in Thai except you have to pay for your own air ticket. In other words, he paid for, for, the, for your hotel fee, but he had a hotel. He had a, a, a four-star hotel. And all these people coming over there, they lived in, the, in, in that little hotel, and with the food, with the food and everything. And he also brought us to, uh, to museums, to supermarket, to produce, to shop, and a very, a very benevolent couple. Uh, Mr. Chai and Mrs. Chai, and uh, he paid. For, she paid. They pay for everything. That's a lot of money to pay for forty people, and uh, we all appreciate it so much. In addition to saving buffaloes, we also have a special group. Me and seven others went over to northern Thailand. Why did we go to northern Thailand? In the same time, in the group that we're saving animals, we went there three or four days earlier to go to Northern Thailand. Uh, we want to distribute supplies to the poor villages. Northern Thailand is the poorest section of Thailand. So we want to go over there and uh, we distribute uh, medical supplies, uh, dry food. We also uh, finance a poor school in which they have 246 school children. They were running out of money to run the school. So we went over there and gave them the money to run for another year. Every year we finance them to operate the school so that they can teach 246 students over there. This school children, they didn't even have shoes to wear. They have no shoes to wear. They have to walk to school for an hour and a half without breakfast. And for that reason, sometimes after a while, didn't want to go to school because they are so hungry and they had to walk barefooted. 
is unbearable. So for those two children, if you have your parents look after you, oh, you should appreciate what you've got. If your parents are looking after you, providing for all the supplies that you want, you should really appreciate it because there are a lot of other children who didn't even have food, who didn't even have education. So you want to know more about the trip? I can tell you many, many times. You can join us next year. I told you already. It's all free except for your own ticket. And we went to uh, many temples in Thailand. We also went to uh, Burma for a day trip. We also went to the Golden Triangle where they have the poppy, uh, the opium were growing in there for many, many years. And, uh, but the, opi the, the growth of opium was banned many, many years ago. And now the whole hillside was covered with tea and coffee. It was surprising to go, the place that we go to, you can Google it, it's called Me Salong, Northern Thailand. Northern Thailand. And uh, surprisingly, after we've done what we have to do, we went out to, uh, to have coffee. They have very nice coffee because they grow their own coffee, organic coffee. And also, what surprises is uh, there were French people operating dessert, rest dessert restaurants in there. So we went to a dessert restaurant and said, wow, it's fantastic desserts uh, cooked by the, for the French uh, chefs. And um, it, it's like Switzerland. I mean, that place is a poor place, but it's so scenic. It's a hilly. Um, all the hills are alive, <laughs> like the sound of music. <laughs> very, very lively hills and uh, um, very clean, fresh air, fresh water. It's just poor, just poor. And uh, uh, so next year, register. Come with us for seven days to Thailand. Um, it's all paid for, uh, except that you have to pay for your own ticket. Except, there's also one exception. You have to donate a cow. <laughs> that kills people. <laughs> because you don't have to pay for any money, but you're going to pay $1,500 for a cow. What's money for? If you don't spend your money, it does not belong to you. It belongs to the bankers. One day when you, when, you, when you have to leave this world, then your, your bank account is still sitting with $1 million. It does not belong to you. It either belongs to the banker or belongs to your children. So why don't you spend it when you are alive? Next question. Please explain Buddha's teaching on anatta. A-N-A-T-T-A. -A -T -T -A. Basic foundations of Buddhism especially in the Theravada school, uh, has three columns in it, or the three items, major items, anatta, anicca, and, and dukkha. Anatta, that means no self, no self, not anatman, this self. When you put an A in front, anatta means no self. Anicca is no permanence. Dukkha is suffering. When you put these things, these three together, is what you will get. This world is impermanent. Anicca, A-N-I-C-C-A, Anicca. This world is impermanent. Have you found anything that is permanent in this world? As I always ask questions, 
who does not have to die, raise your hand. Anybody who does not have to die? We all have to die, right? But death to a lot of people is so remote. It seems to be so far away. I'm still young. I'm only 12. I'm only 21. I'm only 40. It's still far away. Actually, it's not far away. Death is between breaths. If you sniff your, your nose and continue to close your nose for five minutes, you're gone. So death is not just a word for the seniors. Death is a word for everybody. Nothing is permanent. We know nothing is permanent. We know everything is impermanent. Nothing is permanent. But we live on the conception of permanence. We always think that, oh, there's a perpetuation of my fame, of my reputation. I want to make all the money and then I can live. I never thought of what happened when I'm going to die one day. What happened if there are changes? Impermanence also means changes. Changeability is a characteristic of the world. Everything is changing. What does that give us? as a lesson in life. I don't have time here to explain all that to you. For people who are wise, once they hear the word impermanence, it strikes the bell immediately. For people who are not wise, wise for people who are just looking for fame, reputation and money and, uh, uh, and sensual pleasure, sensual enjoyment, it never could ring the bell. They will continue on the pursuit of sensory pleasures. They will continue to gamble, continue to have relationship, continue to be greedy, continue to be jealous, continue to be depressed, continue to be, to be um, I don't know, greedy. So, anicca is impermanence. Anatta, anatta, what is anatta? No self. What does that mean? No self. Yourself? Self does not mean just the body self. No self, that means it, has, it, it does not have its real nature, real existence. Its existence is based on causes put together, and what we call causality. Every existence is on causes. Nothing comes about without any causes. The reason, say, there's cause and there's effect. There's no effect without causes. If, if you're coming in here to sit for a session of meditation and now sit for a session of lunch, if that's an effect, what are the causes? You, have a you, have, you try to come today, you've been driving, your car didn't, broke that, didn't break down, you're planning to come today, you don't have any other chores to do. All these conditions fulfill that you're coming over here. The fact that you come over here to now listening to me is not without any causes. It all depends on causes. Your body even, my body, your body, is now my body, my body and mind exist on causes. What kind of causes? There, were a man, there was a man and a woman who loved each other and they came together one day on one occasion, and they do that kind of thing, and they produce you.
That's the that's cost. And why did that cost come about? Because you somehow in previous lives were related to them, and you come back again as their child. And then many causes, conditions put together that you grow up, and then you didn't die, you were healthy, and then you go, you pass through the babyhood, and then you pass through the teenage life, and you pass through adulthood, and now you're up to where you are. There are many, many conditions that mark your existence as it is now, not without any conditions. So you, you are, you do not have a real existence. Your existence is an existence on what? On causation. You don't have a real self. Because of an atom, an atta, an anicca, because no, nothing is permanent, because we don't have a real existence, we have sufferings. We have sufferings. What kind of sufferings we have? Oh, there's so many sufferings in life. This kind of sufferings, we can, we can there's many, many sufferings. Aging is suffering, death is suffering, sickness is suffering, departure from beloved ones is suffering, uh, unable to satisfy insatiable desire is suffering, so many suffering. Natural disasters, tsunami, wars, homicides, suicide, everything is suffering. It does not mean that we are very pessimistic, it's a fact of life. We want to be more positive in a negative world. That's what Buddhism is all about. But we have to understand the negative aspects of life before we become more positive. All right, next question. I can't go on answering questions like that, not in detail. So I already explained it. So that's the three foundations of Buddhism. Next question. I have a vegetable garden and it is full of life. However, each time that I water it, and weed, I no doubt kill. If we should avoid eating meat because it involves taking life, uh, isn't the vegeta diet just as destructive, destructive? Is there even a karmic three act? What you're saying is, even if you're a vegetarian, sometimes you grow, grow vegetables, you could kill the germs, uh, you could kill the, the worms, but you try to be to render kindness. It does not mean that, oh, even air has, has bacteria in it. I don't want to, I don't want to kill this bacteria. I, I don't breathe. Water has bacteria in it. I don't want to kill bacteria. I don't drink. If you define life in that way, you don't even exist. You kill yourself. The first thing you do <laughs> is to kill yourself because the only way you, you can avoid this kind of very fine killing is to kill yourself. But when you kill yourself, it's killing too. There's bacteria in the water. So if you, if you do some weeding, it does not really matter. You have no intention. Killing is an unintention. You do not intend to kill them. But you intend to, to kill the cow for the, for, the, for, for the stick. You kill the pigs for the pork chops. You kill the chickens for the meat. But when you're doing weeding, you just want to grow your vegetables. You don't have intention to kill them. Intention is very important. When you talk to the judge, when you know how the judge make decisions? On intentions. You may not, you don't intend to kill them. But in the process of trying to be kind, you could have stepped on a worm, to step on a caterpillar, 
Then you say, oh, I shouldn't walk. Maybe I should stay at home because when I walk, I, would, I could accidentally step on, on a caterpillar and then I'm killing. When you don't walk, you become paralyzed. So intentions, intentions, intentions. Don't worry about it. As long as you don't have any intention to kill, you're okay. Next question. Can we talk a little about the Medicine Buddha? What is the blue, why is he blue skin? Medicine Buddha by Sajya Guru Vaidharaya, Prabharajaya, Dargataya, Arate, Samyasambuddhaya. That's the name of this Medicine Buddha. That is a Medicine Buddha Sutra on the life of Medicine Buddha. And uh, um, the reason why he's called Medicine Buddha, because in his words, in the language, in the words of the sutra, it obviously mentions that the reason why sentient beings suffer is because they are sick, body and mind, not just of the body. When, when our body and mind are sick, we need healing. And the Buddha medicine prescribed medicine on how to heal the body sickness and the mental sickness. And what is this medicine? It's all in the sutra. So that's why it's called the, med the medicine Buddha. One is the blue skin, because according to Tibetan Buddhism, um, healing uh, it belongs to the color of blue, of blue, blue color, blueless color. So the, when, when the Tanka, when, when the Tibetan, Tibetan Buddhism set up Tanka, the, the, the skin of the Buddha is always in blue skin. But if you look at a picture of Medicine Buddha, of Mahayana Buddhism, of the Chinese Buddhism, it's purely just skin. It's like, like, a, like a white skin or yellow skin. It, it does not have any color. Don't get too hung up on the kind of color. It's cultural. Sometimes religion is marked by cultural traits in it. Uh, don't get carried away by the cultural side of the, of the religion. Get to the meaning of the religion. When it gets to China, it may not be blue. When it gets to Italy, it could be green. I mean, don't attach to color. <laughs> it's not that important. But blue is a good color. Blue is a healing color. Um, certainly, in the hospital, you won't paint your walls red. <laughs> White or blue. Blue is a very mild healing color. Well, Google it into the meaning and significance of color. They do mean something. Colors do mean something. Is it okay to change our posture while meditating because of discomfort? Yes. You can change your, your legs. If you have right on top, then you can change it to have left on top. You can change your, 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 your posture. Of course, you should. Why not? Could you explain to us about walking meditation, the purpose, how to do it, etc.? Well, we can do that in meditation session. Uh, basically, walking meditation, other than exercising, doing some exercising, you're also training your mind that when you're in motion, your mind should also be concentrating on here and now, your motion here and your motion now. So we can always do that in the next session of meditation.